Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with swing trade in the stock market. And today's episode is going to be about an earnings disaster. This email here, this is actually a repeat writer. So I'm always appreciative of those who write the show a second time wanting to get my opinion. It makes me think that, hey, maybe I gave some decent advice on the first one. Not financial advice. Do your due diligence. Talk to your financial advisor. That whole disclaimer. Again, not a financial advisor. But I do like to give my opinion on things. And I encourage everybody to write into the podcast uh, show itself. And then I make episodes out of it. It's really a cool thing that we have going on there because I've been able to learn so much about you guys, your stories, where you come from, the struggles. And it's helped me as a trader. You guys have provided me with insights and ideas that I've never thought of before and that I've been able to apply to my own trading as well. So for this podcast episode, decided to have myself a nice glass of Weller Special Reserve. That's about 45% alcohol, 90 proof. Good stuff there. Actually, it comes from uh, Pappy's. The way I understood Weller's was is that it's actually the same recipe that they use for Pappy's, except it's kind of like the rejects. It's like that Seinfeld episode with the cardigan, I guess, is what it was. That sweater that George Costanza was trying to buy for his girlfriend or the girl that he was interested in, but it had a red dot on it that made it a much cheaper or a discounted article of clothing. So, that's kind of what Weller is. It's that cardigan with the, no, it's cashmere. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a cashmere. It's a cashmere sweater that George Costanza had bought for his girlfriend and it had a red dot on it. So he got it at a discount. That's kind of what Weller is. I think you can buy it like $22 or something if you go to ABC. It's pretty popular there. It can be kind of hard to get, but if you can get it, it's definitely worth 20 bucks. So I'm going to read the email here. He writes, Dear Ryan, he says, I have written to you in the past. The name you gave me was The Judge. So feel free to use that again, should this make it on the podcast. I just had a trade go very badly, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I have a full-time job and just got into swing trading in February of this year. I'm a member of SharePointer's trading block and make a lot of my trading decisions based on the information off of there. I don't get as much time during the day to dedicate to trading as I would like, so I rely heavily on your research while I am learning. So far this year, I have had several losing trades and very few winners. However, I keep my stop losses pretty tight because I know I am just learning and this market really sucks. It does. It really sucks bad. He goes on to write, I trade relatively a small account in the hopes that I can learn enough to show a consistent gain. I will start adding capital in the future. My trade will usually be about 10 to 15% of my account. If I'm feeling really cocky, I'll throw a little bit more at the trade, but I never go beyond 20% of my capital. So here's the scenario. Around April 13th, I bought into CH. GG. That is Chegg for those who don't know. It's a consumer defensive stock. It's in the educational and training services industry. He bought it around 1775. It has seemed to find support on the year at its lows. And from what I had seen, it had not fallen below 1525 in the past three years. I was hoping to play a bounce off of the lows while it hopefully filled the gap from February. So again, I'm not trying to get too crazy on the charts because I know you guys are just listening to it, but there's a gap on the Chegg chart back in February that goes from around $18 up to 21. So that's what he was hoping to see this stock do. It would fill this gap from that time period. On April 20th, I sold one third of the position for a better than 10% profit. That's really good. My hope was that it would ride to around 
$19, sell another third, and then let the remaining third go wherever it would. My stop loss on Chegg was set at $17.28. My stop losses are generally good to cancel or GTC because I don't have the time in the mornings to set them for the day, but I will adjust them as necessary when I have a chance during the day and after hours. Usually I will tighten them up during the day and then lower them after hours to try to avoid getting stopped out in the first half hour of volatility. That's interesting. I don't know too many people that use stop losses after hours. That's actually very dangerous. And we'll talk to, about that in a second. Next paragraph, he says last night and after hours. So he's he sent me this email on May 2nd. Chegg had this massive gap down. If I remember right, I think Chegg was getting really hurt by the fact that people were using AI and not their products, or they were being impacted really negatively by AI products, causing the stock to go from like 18% down to 9%. I'm not laughing at it. It's just just some of the crazy moves that you see in the market these days are just really breathtaking. So again, he says, last night and after hours, Chegg fell to $10.40 because it was after hours. It blew right through my stop loss, but did not trigger it. I saw it around 9 p.m. And after about 20 minutes of pacing the living room, decided that there was nothing that I could do about it until the morning. Minutes before the market opened this morning, it had fallen to 9.25. At that point, I knew that when it opened, I would be stopped out at a 47% loss or so. I dropped my stop loss to 9.15. I decided that it was a losing trade anyways, and I needed out. But if it went up intraday, I thought maybe I can mitigate my damages a little over the next couple of days before I got out. Minutes after it opened, it dropped down to 8.63, and I was stopped out at more than a 50% loss on the trade. My question is, are there steps that I can take to protect them myself from these after-hour curveballs like that or is that just the nature of the beast? I am on thinkorswim and I do not have after-hours privileges. I'm assuming that it's because my account is not big enough. Now Chegg is going back up, but I am not interested in chasing it because that seems like revenge trading, which will just end up adding insult to injury at this point. Thanks for your time and support. Sincerely, the judge. Now, it's a heavy email. There's a lot going on there with his debacle there. And yeah, it had this massive sell-off, and then it rallied back just a little bit, and then it sold off again today. And when I'm speaking of today, I'm talking about, I'll give you the exact date here. It is May 4th, so that's when I'm recording this podcast, in the evening of May 4th. So one of the big things, and the title of this podcast is, is an earnings disaster. He doesn't actually mention the fact that it was an earnings report that came out. So it makes me wonder, does he even know that the reason why it dropped so much was because of earnings. And being a member of the trading block, I actually have rules posted in the trading block that says I will not hold stocks through earnings. One of the interesting things about Chegg is that this was a stock that I was highlighting back in early April. And he got in on it around April 13th. So if we're looking at April 13th, yeah, that's when it broke out. So it was a good trade that he got into. He got into it on the breakout and then it rallied for a couple of days and then it pulled back to that breakout level at around 1730 and then took off and then just traded sideways for a couple of days. But one of the biggest things with trading is you got to know when these earnings reports are going to happen. I will not hold a swing trade through earnings under any circumstance. And it's for the very reasons what you just saw with Chegg. Now, do I expect that Apple would ever, you know, have a 50% halving of their stock price? Not necessarily. I'd, I wouldn't expect it. They just reported earnings today and they had like a 1%, 2% reaction to the upside on it. I think it would take a lot for Apple to be cut in half or even Amazon or, or some of those other big ones. But Chegg, that's a very volatile stock in general. And two, it's not an Apple. And so, yeah, it is a lot more susceptible than what the 
maybe you'd see out of the big tech stocks, big fang tech stocks, where there's a lot more market capitalization there. But Chegg, it is very possible for it to have these 50%. Is it normal? Not at all, but it is possible. I've seen Facebook drop 20 plus percent before, seen it multiple times. So I think that's the biggest error that this guy just made, the judge here. He got into Chegg. That was okay. That wasn't the error, but holding it through earnings was the error. It was a bad earnings report. They had that news. I remember seeing it about they're not doing well with the whole AI environment right now. And so investors panicked. They got out of it. One of the other things, though, that I found kind of fascinating was the fact that he is using stop losses after hours. I don't ever use stop losses after hours. I don't even think I've attempted to try to use stop losses after hours. Is there a risk to holding a stock overnight? Yeah. I mean, what if Chegg came out and they didn't save it for earnings? What if they just came out and said, hey, we're being negatively impacted by the whole AI? It probably would have had a significant sell-off still. Maybe it would have been 20 or 30% without insight into the earnings. But that's still, that would have been an awful scenario. But that's also why I say, don't get too confident in your trades. Always assume that they're going to go bad on you. And yes, there is the potential for significant news events to impact the stock. I've probably traded Chegg before in the past. I can't recall for sure if I have, but I do take into account the volatility and the headline risk associated with stocks. Chegg does have a little bit of headline risk to it, but I wouldn't say it would be enough to never trade it. In fact, this was an easily avoidable loss right here by simply keeping track of when a stock is reporting earnings. Now, for me, I always have my stocks that I'm watching in a watch list on my TC2000 software. That's the software that I use primarily. I have others. I have TradingView and I have stock charts, some of those other ones. I have TrendSpider too, which I got to get a little bit more familiar with because I know they got a lot of cool features on TrendSpider. But in terms of watch list management, I use TC2000 and TC2000 has an option that you can add to your watch list of when the next earnings report is. And I can't stress enough how important that is because each week I go and look at my watch list and I go ahead and just take out the next two weeks of stocks out of my watch list. I don't care how much I like the trade setups. In fact, I don't even look at the symbols. I sort by the earnings reports that are coming up the soonest. And if it falls within a two week period, so right now, today is May 4th. If I was sorting it by today, I would essentially say between now and, and May 17th, I do not want a single stock that's reporting earnings in my watch list. Because for one, I don't want it to sneak up on me. And then two, I don't want to get to like May 12th and I'm looking at this trade and it's like, hey, it's really nice trade, but it has earnings on May 17th and I forget to check it or something crazy like that. And then all of a sudden I'm holding a stock that only has about two days before it reports earnings the following week. So for about two weeks, I want all the stocks out. And so I always have this running two weeks removal in every weekly update that I do to my watch list. Now I add stocks to my watch list all the time. I'm always going through scans and everything, but once a week, usually Monday morning, Sunday night, I go through those lists and I go ahead and ax every stock that's reporting earnings over the course of the next two weeks. And that keeps me out of situations like Chegg because Chegg was on my watch list for a while there, especially during the month of April. But once we were starting to get close to that earnings report, that little sorting feature would have taken Chegg right out of my list, and it did. Another thing that you should be aware of is swingtradingthestockmarket.com. I plug this in every podcast, but for good reason. You're getting all of my stock market research for pretty much pennies on the dollar, right? It's really, really good market research. You're getting all of my watch lists, my bullish and my bearish watch lists, my master updates each week. Plus daily watch lists, you're getting 
updates on the big tech stocks. You're getting videos on some intriguing ideas and trade scenarios. Plus, you are getting market updates. So big tech updates, market updates. It's really good stuff. If you're supporting the podcast in the process, if it's been a blessing to you, definitely check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com because I think that'll be a blessing for you as well. Good community of traders there that are benefiting from that. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now that I'm done with that plug, there's still a lot to discuss about the judge's email here. So using after-hour stops, I don't even know if you can place stops after hours. Can you? I've never done it before. And it's kind of, I've never thought about doing it before. But I'm going to look this up because I have my doubts. Can you place stops after hours? Stop. Okay, so this is what I'm using the Bing search engine. I hate Bing, but whatever. Uh, it says stop orders typically do not execute during extended hours. And he even said here it didn't execute. I thought it didn't. The stop and trailing stop orders you place during extended hours usually queue for the market during the opening on the next day. Orders created during regular trading sessions do not get executed in extended trading sessions. And I don't think you can, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think you can market for after hours only either. And the reason why, and I think that's why he didn't get stopped out. I've seen people in the past, and this is kind of crazy too, that they will, let's say they get the ABC example here. They get into stock ABC at 100 and they put a stop loss at 95. I've seen these people on stock twits before and they'll hold a stock through earnings and the stock will all of a sudden be trading at $60 a share. And they will post on there. It's like, oh, I'm, I got nothing to worry about. I put my stop loss good to cancel at $95. So I'll just get filled at $95 tomorrow. I was like, how is that going to happen if it's trading at 60? They don't realize that what guides the market is supply and demand. So if there's not somebody willing to buy it at $95, you're not going to get filled at $95. And so if it's trading at 60 the next day and, the, and that's where the bid and the ask price is, there's no chance of you getting filled at 95 at that moment in time. Maybe if it goes from red to green, you could have it. But at that particular moment in time, no, you're not getting filled. Um, and I'm not picking on you if you thought that that was true, but it's a very newbie type assumption that some traders will make. Stop losses can get blown through if there's a significant overnight event. Like Chegg, what we're talking about here with CHGG, goes from like 17 all the way down to the eights the next day. That's massive. But if you had your stop loss at 16, it doesn't matter. You're just going to get filled at eight the next day because that's where the buyers and sellers are at. They're not at six. So I don't use after-hour stop losses. I'm not saying that there's not a scenario for, for certain traders to get out of a stock in after-hours. For me, I never do it. Even if there's bad news, I just wait till the next day. But one of the things that I do is, is that I don't hold a stock through its earnings report, which does happen after-hours or before the market opens, which can create some massive amounts of volatility that can put you in a real bad bind like Chegg did. Meta is another perfect example. I would never hold Meta over its earnings report. Just the craziest thing that I could possibly do. He also uses good to cancel orders. I get it. Like everybody has different lifestyles. I prefer to put my orders in each morning and to not leave it to a good to cancel order because oftentimes you can have some real weird bid ask prices in the morning. And oftentimes your stop losses, unless you otherwise state it specifically in the order, will be triggered off of what the bid and ask price is. So if, if that triggers, the stop loss, it may not even have an order that sells down at that level, but because the bid and ask price is below your stop loss, it'll trigger it. And in a split second, that bid and ask price might go right back up to above your stop loss. But if it was just there for a split moment in time, it'll trigger it and it'll market order you out of the trade. Now I'll applaud him for this. He did not go chasing after the next day. It started a rally. It goes from the nines or high eights. 
and it gets all the way up to back to 11. And he didn't chase after it, and that's good because today it was down another 7%. It had a good rally, but it dropped back down, and now it's trading at 950 again. And so that would have added a lot of insult to injury, like what he just said. Because here's the thing. If you lose big on a trade, and it's going to happen at probably some point, that's why I don't believe that everything should be, your heart and soul should be put into one trade, your capital, your harder money, going 100% long, 50% long. I don't like that kind of stuff. I do about 12% on each one of my trades. And that's where emotionally and mentally I can handle the volatility in a trade. And if I do have a bad trade, okay, let's say I was in this check situation. It wasn't earnings-based. They came out with something that caused the stock to drop 50% overnight. Would it be sickening? Would it hurt? Yes, it would, it would just gnaw at my stomach knowing that I just took a massive loss on something I couldn't do anything about, but I would be taking somewhere between like a five and 6% hit to the portfolio. Is that something I can recover from? Absolutely. But if I go 60 or 70% on the trade, let's say I put 70% of my capital on the trade and I took a 35% loss. Am I coming back from that anytime soon? No. So the position size matters as well to unexpected and unfortunate events because they do happen. And I've been blessed. I haven't had a lot of real bad ones in my past at least not in you know recent memory when I was younger in my trading. Yes, I had some pretty bad experiences, but as I've kind of become a little bit more wiser and more mature in my trading, I have not had those things happen. I don't have to knock on wood for that either. I just, just say in a fact that, you know, I think I've had some surprises before, but nothing that was detrimental. So any case, one of the things he didn't chase after it, that's good because he realized that there will be other trades. There'll be other trades that you can make some of that money back from, that you can recover from. It doesn't have to come back from check. Like, why does it have to be from check? If you lose 50% of the trade, the last place I'd want to go to is the place that I just lost 50% from. I'd rather go to something that's actually doing pretty well, that has a better trade setup. Because definitely not with check right now. But there's maybe there's something mentally where we feel like that we have to get the money back from the trade that we lost it from. It's like the, the person who dates somebody thinking that they're going to change them. It's like we're getting back into the stock thinking that we can change that stock, that we can make it a better trade, that we can justify why we got into it early on. No, just move on to the next trade. This Weller's is really good, by the way. I enjoy every sip of that stuff, especially for the price, like 20 bucks. I've noticed a lot of times at ABC, they like to keep it behind the counter. So if you don't see it on the shelves, ask them. And then finally, and we'll wrap it up with this. There was one sentence here, and it was its own little paragraph. He says, my typical trade will be around 10 to 15% of my account. If I'm feeling really cocky, I'll throw more at the trade, but I'd never go beyond 20% of my capital. I may be splitting hairs here, but if he typically goes like 10% of his capital on a trade, and then if he's feeling cocky, he goes at 20%, you are doubling your risk on that. You are doubling your exposure to your capital. And what if you were feeling cocky on Chegg and you went 20% and then you lost 50%? Then you, <laughs> it's basically like uh, losing an entire position on that trade. Because think about it, if you put 20% on the trade and you lose 50%, then you just lost 10% of your portfolio on that trade because you were feeling good. Instead of if you were putting five, 10, or if you were putting 10% on your trade, you would only be losing 5%, which is a much different scenario. So I would tell the judge here, try to view each trade as just another trade, not as something special, not something to be excited or cocky about. Just view it as another trade. It's just another trade. As a trader... And as a successful trader, you're going to have many, many trades, winning trades, losing trades along the way throughout the course of the year. Just treat them all the same. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review, man. Guys, I, I feed off of those things. They really do mean a lot if this show has been a blessing to you over the years. Um, this is like number 330. I would encourage you to leave a five-star review. Tell me about that because it does 
it encourages me because you do this many podcast episodes. Sometimes it can feel like they're running together. You don't know if people are still listening or if they still care about it. Hearing your reviews, it does mean a lot to me. I share them with my wife. She gets a kick out of them. I do too. So do that for me. I would, I would really appreciate it. And check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Leave me some emails. Send me some emails, ryan at sharepointer.com. I read them. I try to put all of them into their own podcast episode here. So keep sending me your emails. If I have not done an episode with one of your emails, sometimes you guys like to send me tax questions. I don't really know much about taxes, so I, I kind of avoid those because I just, I have an accountant for that. So send me your emails, ryan at sharepointer.com. I love to hear from you guys. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.